It was just slippery enough this morning that I slid through an intersection and almost didn't make my turn onto uh, Martville Crockett's Road. And I started braking as I just after I came back over the top of the hill from the dip. So I called home and I told Judy, you got to leave early. And it was bad. The road was bad and it was greasy all the way coming over. It was really slippery. And we turned around and so well, Judy proceeded to tell my daughter-in-law and scared her so much Carla wouldn't drive. So now Judy had to wait to make sure Carla was ready to come over so they're not quite here yet. But uh, we're glad you're here this morning. And if you'll open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. You can do a little bit of a background and stuff and something you can't escape from if you don't do things God's way. We're a little down this morning, but we're glad you're here. And the thing you need to always remember that if you do not choose to follow the Scriptures, if you do not choose to do it God's way, even though you told yourself that you wouldn't do what your parents did, you will follow what they did. It's the sins of the fathers are visited unto the children of the third and fourth generation. Okay, and it's... The, the, I've just seen it too many times. I have been young and now I'm old and it has not been broken. God's word doesn't return in the void. And you have to be careful with that. And before we start in 1 Kings chapter 11, I'm going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel 15. Did I write that down right? Let me see here. It says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repented me that I have set Saul up to be king, for he turned back from following me, and he hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and told Samuel, saying, Saul came, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about, and has passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. How many of you remember this? This is after he didn't and he forced himself, okay? And Samuel said, What meaneth this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little and in thy sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil, and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. 
But the people took of the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Okay, and you're saying, well, I thought our text was in 1 Kings. I want you to see the pattern is set there. Saul was given a job. Now, he said, I brought King Agag, right? Was he supposed to bring him? He's supposed to be dead out in the field on the battle. God said, utterly destroy them. The rulers, the men, the women, the children, the oxes, the asses, none of them were supposed to be. And you say, you know what we do many times? We think that God's word's a little too extreme. And so we kind of obey it. If you watch that over and over again, you're going to see in the word of God that that does not work with God. To obey is better than sacrifice. And I'm not preaching on Saul or teaching on Saul this morning, but you've got to realize what happened there. He partially obeyed. When he was called on it, what did he do? He said, I did right when he admitted he brought the king of the Amalekites with him. And he says, and the people flew to the spoil. We always look to deflect the blame. Okay, now that brings us into this thing this morning. And I want you to realize now we're going to look at Solomon and Rehoboam. As I told you, the stuff it continues, okay? And in 1 Kings chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And he commanded him concerning this, this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but that he kept not that which the Lord commanded. See, he was told one thing by God, and he let his circumstances cause him to do something else. And we'll see... Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. Now the servant's Jeroboam, and he wasn't any better. Notwithstanding, in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. Because the temple was to be built, and it was built in Jerusalem. God claimed that. That was his place to be with men. And that wasn't changing. But the root problem started with Solomon and his son Rehoboam carried on his dad's sinful behavior and contributed to the divided kingdom. Now, Solomon was warned. Okay, you say, we read that passage. Well, how does it apply? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy, the 
Did I put a marker in here? Yeah, Deuteronomy 17. I'm going to start at verse 14, give the context. He's talking to the people. He says, When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like is all the, the nations that are about me. Now, who was supposed to be their king? God was supposed to be their king. Okay? God was supposed to rule over me. It was supposed to be direct answering but they wanted a king so he gave him one thou shalt thou shalt in any way set him a king over thee whose the lord thy god shall choose one from among the brethren shalt thou set king over thee that thou mayest not set a stranger over thee which is not thy brother but he shall not multiply horses unto himself okay now that's a sign of personal strength where they won't have to rely on god the horses were used for the battle the horses for the day of the battle but safeties of the Lord, okay, and return to Egypt. And now Egypt is a type of what? It's a type of the world. To the end that he should multiply horses, for as much as the Lord saith unto him, unto, saith unto you, ye shall not henceforth return no more that way. How many times do we see people that get saved? They run into an issue, and then they want to return to back from which they got saved out of. Well, Solomon was made king, but you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to return to the sinful way of Saul. And he's henceforth return no more that way. I just made a note in my Bible here. I just saw right on the sides is what I do. I wrote Egypt, the world. Don't go back. Don't go back. Okay? Neither shall he multiply what? Verse 17. I have a hard enough time with the one I have. She says, amen. Don't give me 700 of them and then 300 concubines. Do you understand? Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And next to that I wrote, okay, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not a root of all kinds of evil. The other Bibles. 1 Timothy 6.17, For the love of money is the root of all evil. And what does it tell us there? That you get ensnared by it. So the king said, is told, Don't multiply horses, which make you depend upon your strength instead of me. Don't multiply yourself wives. Because you've got to remember, Eve was deceived and Adam wasn't. But Adam chose his wife over following God. And I'm not picking on women. I just want you to understand that. God gave a warning. And then he says, don't multiply self. If you live for the material things, guess what? That's where your heart will be. And so now we have this situation. Now go to 1 Kings chapter 6. Hopefully you'll see where I'm going with this. First Kings. Chapter 6, and verse 12. 
Verse 11, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this house which thou art building, if thou wilt walk in my statutes and execute my judgments, and keep what? All my commandments to walk in them, then will I perform my word with thee, which I spake unto David thy father. And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. See, there's a promise there. Now look at 1 Kings chapter 9. First Kings, chapter 9, look at verse 6. But if ye shall at all turn from following me, or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. That's still true today. The problem started with Solomon. It continued to his son Rehoboam. We, we looked at Rehoboam last week and his sin. Do you notice it says in rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft? When you have partial obedience, that's as much rebellion as abject rebellion. It go, turns against everything. And we don't think about it that way. That's the way God thinks. It's like Mr. Miyagi, right? I can either karate do or karate no do, but no karate maybe. You know where most Christians want to live? In the maybe. And you've got to be careful. And I, As I'm preparing this lesson for you, God is slapping me up. All right? And if he's slapping me up, I want to share the misery. So you're going to get slapped up with it too. And see, you have to be careful with it. We get caught so many times. We think we can. You know, I, well, I know that's God's saying. You. you know what you don't want to be? You don't want to be called an extremist. You don't want people to think you're a Bible-thumping nut. But you know what you need to be? A Bible-thumping nut. Because if a man's ways please the Lord, even his Enemy shall be what? Be at peace with him. You can't get away from it. Okay? Three basic reasons for the division that took place. Okay? And the division I'm talking about is ten of the tribes were wrested from Solomon's reign. There was no more united kingdom. And ten were given to the servant. Jeroboam. Now, God said that there was going to be one, okay, and Judah stayed with Rehoboam, but they also had Benjamin, little tribe. So it was ten and two. Isn't that funny? Twelve spies go into the wilderness. Ten were bad and two were good. If you study the kingdoms, once the division took place, Israel had no good kings. Judah had a few. They both went into sin. But what's the problem? The king and the people had forsaken God. You say, well, I'm not turning my back on God. Are you still doing what you used to do when you were excited about being saved? Think about that. See, it takes a little bit and just a little bit more and a little bit more. The king and the prince had for, the people had forsaken God. The king and the people had, had engaged in false worship. 
The king and the people had disobeyed God's commandments, refusing to walk in God's way. Okay, look at verse 33. 1 Kings 11. Okay. 1 Kings 11. Because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Astaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, in Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, in Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments, as did David his father. See, because he's talking to Jeroboam, and he's saying, this is the reason it was wrested from him. And Rehoboam followed in that. You know what the crazy thing about it is? They disobeyed God's commands and they refused to walk in God's way. And it was a little step and then a little more step, a little more step. Because each one of those gods, that wasn't the God of one wife of Solomon's. That was the gods of some of his different wives. Now, the god Chemosh, What they would do with them is there'd be a, there was a fiery pit. You don't believe me? You studied it. I'm not taking time for it. And they would sacrifice their babies to Chemosh. That's how far backslidden Israel had gone. And you say, man, well, I've been to, uh, to India five times. They still throw their babies into the Ganges River to satisfy the river god. They still do it. They still sacrifice their children. Now, they'll feed their cows, they'll feed the rats, and they'll starve their kids. That's where Hinduism has led them. Do you understand? America's losing its Christian culture. You know what it is? And it's not been all at once. It's been a little step, and a little more step, and a little more step. I can remember when I got saved and Pastor Christian's talking to me. He was my only pastor I ever had. He was my mentor early on. And he'd go, Bryant, the problem isn't that the believers, the church, say people, that's got to remember, I am not a brighter. Okay. When I say the church, I'm talking about all those who are saved. Okay. They're part of the body of Christ. They're part of the bride of Christ. And the problem is that we're not exactly like the world but you know where we are? We're a long ways from where our grandfathers who were saved or whatever, if you have that in the background, or where believers were at the turn of the century, where believers were before World War II, where believers were in the 1990s. See, we haven't gone straight to the world. Is the world's gone farther out there into insanity. We've kept a distance from them, but we've gone to where they used to be. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And rebellion isn't something that happens, boom, I'm following God, and then boom, I've turned my back on Him. We asked prayer. I'm sorry some of the information got messed up. It was well, we given to us, so it got sent out. We asked My daughter asked for a prayer request of a young man down in Florida. I was told he was 19-year-old, told he was saved. He had a birthday party. He wasn't 19, he was 21. And we're not sure he was saved. 
He made a profession at some point. I don't know. I've never met him. He was 21 years old. He's at his own birthday party. They had a fight at the birthday party. Another young man left the birthday party, went home, grabbed a shotgun, come back, and shot three of the other people at the party. One is dead. One has had his intestines eviscerated with buckshot. And the other is also in intensive care. There are two of them are on ventilators. Well, that young man's sister, who's all of 16 or 17, wanted to go to the same birthday party because she wanted to see her brother. He no longer lived at home, but he was near enough by where she could have gone. And her parents told her no because he's not living for God. And she was frustrated. She wasn't allowed to go. Parents saying he wasn't living for God, you're not walking that way, probably saved her life. And it's to the place where they're not sure if he was truly saved or if he just turned his back on God and walked away. Because believers can still do that. doesn't mean they've lost their salvation. It means they're no longer disciples. They aren't wholly following the Lord. They started compromising and it led to a certain place. This is what you had. So they get judged. But I want you to know, when God judges, we are so much better in God's hands than we are in the world's. He still gives mercy when he judges. Look at Exodus 34. I've read these verses here so many times to people. Exodus 34, verse 5. And the Lord, this is when the second time Moses goes up on the mount and he's trying to get the second set of the Ten Commandments. And in verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. He wouldn't let him see him. Remember, it says that you can only see my hinder parts. And he says, The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. And I always love this part. It says, The Lord, the Lord God, and the first word used to describe him is not holy, righteous, too high to come to. The first word God uses to describe himself is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children of the third and fourth generation. Your slight compromises, believer, leads to a greater compromise in your children Leads to a greater compromise if the Lord tarries in their children. Leads to a greater compromise in their children. You can't think that God's not going to keep His word. It's going to happen. But He shows mercy. God allowed Solomon to rule because David was his father. Verse 11 of our text, 1 Kings 11. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as is done, is, this is done to thee, thou, shalt, thou hast not kept my covenant nor my sta- and my statutes which I have commanded thee. I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding, in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy, thy son. So what do you see? God in his mercy said, Okay, you can rule because of the ability of your father to repent because david was an adulterer and a murderer but he was a good repenter and turned his heart back to god david was a man for god's own heart you know what that means when you think you're never going to do it and you judge someone else who's done something be real careful be real careful 
you examine yourselves, not the other person, because you never know what's going to come into your life. David was a man after God's own heart. You talk about the sure mercies of David. I was doing a, a, a Bible lesson with my grandchildren. We're talking about Abraham. You know, Abraham, the father of faith, and I've mentioned this to you in the pulpit before. God doesn't rehearse the sins of the Old Testament saints in the New Testament. Abraham, the father of faith, a man who was such a coward that twice he had told his wife, you go into the harem, let the guy, if he takes you, he takes you, but at least I'm living. He did it twice. That's Abraham, the father of faith. And you know, when he did it, you know who followed in his footsteps? Isaac did the same thing. So the choices you make, the little compromises you make today affects who? Because if you don't choose to wholly follow the Lord, you will repeat what? What you grew up in. God showed Solomon, allowed Solomon to rule. God could have taken the kingdom from him right away, right away but the sure mercies of David continued. Because God had promised, and God is not a man that he should lie. God said he'd take the kingdom from Rehoboam, but not all of it. God still allowed him to rule over the tribe in Jerusalem. He did this for David's sake. Okay? Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. Okay? Now look at verse 36 of that same chapter. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. See, God doesn't violate his word. Our God is so great, he is so great, that even when he chastises and judges us for a sinful behavior, he finds a way to give us mercy and grace. I don't know about you, but in my life, sometimes some of my biggest blessings have come after God's had to teach me. Some of my biggest blessings have come after God had to teach me a lesson. You can either get better or you can get bitter. God will teach you a lesson. Have you ever seen or ever been involved in a relation, relationship that split because of sinful behavior? The church in Corinth was judged because a split came because of their sinful behavior dealing with incestuous relationship within a home. Now they got it right in 2 Corinthians, but... 1 Corinthians chapter 1. See, there's nothing new under the sun. Whatsoever man sows, so shall he also reap. Some of what you sow in sinful behavior is reaped by your children. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me see here. Verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak what? And that there be what? No divisions among you. And that ye be perfectly what? In the same mind and of the same judgment. Okay, you better know what God says so you can have the right judgment in that. Now go to chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. 
Now, this is to a church, okay? Chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles in Corinth, see, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Isn't that amazing? How does our behavior affect our relationship with God? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So now we have the kingdom divided. God sent a prophet to Jeroboam. Okay, now let's go back to 1 Kings. 1 Kings, chapter 11. You say, why would he choose Jeroboam? Okay, you've got to understand something. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but what? Looks upon the heart. Now, in 1 Kings 11, verse 28, And the man Jeroboam was what? A mighty man of what? So he had been shown and been tested. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him rule over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass that when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, came to him in the way, and he had clad himself in a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. And he's being told that he's going to be given ten of the kingdoms, or ten of the tribes. You can read the passage, for the sake of time, I don't want to take the time to do it. But he's called a man of valor in the scriptures. He was going to give ten tribes to rule over. He was the servant of Solomon. Now, Solomon wants to kill him. So he runs and hides where? In Egypt. I wonder what he learned while he ran. Because you know something? You know what it comes down to? All the promises of God are yea and not nay. But when we get caught with the promises of God and we're not sure because we haven't developed our faith enough by standing with God and seeing Him bringing us through hard times, that when a hard time comes up, we're not sure God's going to do it. So we look at our circumstances and we try to do what? Get away from it. Now he told him he was going to give him the ten tribes. Do you think God could have protected him in Israel? But he ran to the world. You say, what happens with that? For the want of a nail, a shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, a horse was lost. For want of a horse, a rider was lost. For the want of the rider, the battle was lost. For want of the battle, the war was lost. All for the want of a horseshoe nail. Learn that poem Back in the 70s, from a cassette tape of Dr. Peter S. Ruckman. Okay? That's all I want. Never forgotten it. Little things. Little foxes spoil the vines. Be careful with those choices. So he's told he's going to be given the tribes. Now look at verses 29 and 40 of, of 1 Kings 11. In this will I... And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. Excuse me, I've got the right passage here. Yes. Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam, and Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt, and Shishank the king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. He goes on and says, The rest of the Acts of Solomon, are, and he did in his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the Acts of Solomon? And in that time Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over, over all Israel for, four, for was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his 
fathers. And of course, you see, the next thing you know, he's being told that he's gone. Jeroboam went into hiding until Solomon died. After Solomon died, Rehoboam was made king, if you'd read through your Bible. And I told you, we already learned that Rehoboam, when he first took over, didn't listen to the wise counsel of people who experienced. He listened to the counsel of his compatriots. And he was told, my little finger is going to be heavier upon you than my father was. And he lost the tribes. Got to be very careful. He answered harshly to the people and they lost it. Now, see, God said it was going to happen, but you know, the last straw for that, it split the nation. That happened around 930 B.C. Jeroboam came on the scene, gained respect to the people, and the ten tribe, northern tribes made him king. 1 Kings 12 and verse 20. And it came to pass when all Israel had heard that Jeroboam was come again, they sent and called him into the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, only the tribe of Judah only. Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom. When you read about the nation of Israel, we're talking about a country that's 60 miles wide and 120 miles long. You could lose it in most of the states of the United States of America. And they're fighting over that little piece of ground. Do you realize that Samaria, where he set up his rule, was only 35 miles from where the temple was located? That's all it was. 35 miles. Geez, we drive that to go shopping in Syracuse. Farther than, right? You, you, oh, I'm going I'm to go shopping. Well, I can't go to Oswego and stuff. They don't have what I need. I have to go to Syracuse, 40 miles away. Now, I know that's a two-day's journey back in that time, 20 miles on a horse or a camel, but... Okay, you have this thing. It's, it's only 35 miles. Because Jerusalem was where God put his name to be. That's why they're still fighting over it today. Because that's where God chose to place his name and give it to the people of Israel. That was the official place of worship. You know what happened? 1 Kings 12, verse 25. Trying to rush along here. And Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt there and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, see, because he'd been hiding a little bit, and even though he was a mighty man of valor at one point, what? guess what? And said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return unto the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again to their, to their Lord, even unto Rehoboam king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. I wonder if he was talking to somebody who died in a big open pit. Where did you get that from? Ah, gee. Didn't the earth open up and swallow about 3,000 people who were worshiping around a golden calf? They made them two calves of gold and said unto them, It's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. You know what you have there? Jeroboam had been told by God, God's prophet, that he was going to rule. 
He looked at circumstances he got afraid of, okay, because doubt of God always brings fear. Doubt of God always brings fear. And he, he got looked and see what he's going to do. I can't have them do that. So I'm going to make two golden calves and I'm going to set up the place of worship in Bethel. House of God. That's what the word means. House of God. And I'm going to say, I'm going to give them two calves to worship, which ties back to Egyptian worship and the worship of Baal. Be careful about the face of an ox in your Bible. Okay? If you don't know what I mean, ask Pastor Kenny later. All right, so he turns around with this. And you know what he did? He gave them a more convenient place to worship. And a place where they would be more comfortable. They wouldn't have to travel a day and a half to go worship before the place God had placed his name there. So he gave them a more comfortable religion. A little bit more convenient. This always leads to idolatry. You know what people do? They move for jobs, they move for schools, and then they say, well, we'll find a church once we get there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, your food, your raiment, your place to live, will be added unto you. I'm sorry, but that's just the way that works. And then they wonder why they have problems later on. So he gives them a convenient religion, a convenient place. It always leads to idolatry because it's not following what God had. Okay? And they worshiped the golden calf and helped set up them apart from the south. And he thought it was a good thing. And it also led them to worshiping Baal. If you don't understand who Baal is, ask Pastor Kenny. I'm getting those in for him. And Jeroboam and Rehoboam were at war all the days, okay? In 1 Kings 14, if you look, they fought continually. They divided, and because Jeroboam didn't do what he said, God didn't bring... Do you understand your, don't you know what your Savior told you? My peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, what sort of things are true? What sort of things are Honest, what sort of things are just? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are of a good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We get careful, we get full of care when we don't take it to the Lord and we don't do it God's way. Jeroboam did that. So you know what he didn't have? Peace doesn't mean the absence of problems. Peace means a settled heart, trust in God, He's going to bring you through the problems. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had peace, right? And a burning, fiery furnace. And there was one like unto the Son of Man with them. That was Jesus. Daniel curled up in a warm rug. You know what the rug was? It had a mane and a tail. And he stayed warm in the lion's den. And he said, my God hath delivered me. 
See, I'm not talking that you won't have something to come into your life. I'm saying when you go through it, you learn the lesson, the blessing follows. Make the choice or could do it God's way. Now we take it down, we go. Rehoboam was the king over Judah. Okay. And Judah was also called the house of David. Jerusalem was the capital of the southern kingdom. The tribe of Benjamin was also included. If you read through the text here, this is in 1 Kings 12, 21 and through 24. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin, a hundred and fourscore thousand men. Now how many is that? 180,000. Which were warriors to fight against the house of Israel. Brother's going to kill brother. Boy, that's still taking place over there. Do you know that all the Islamic people, they have a closer blood tie to, to the Jews than they do to the other, any other people in the area? And so the kingdom against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of the God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, speaking, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and unto all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened, therefore, to the word of the Lord, and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt there and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. They had division. They had war. God intervened because that division was part of his punishment on Solomon because he turned away because he loved many women and he followed idolatry and served many gods. Problem is, Rehoboam followed in his father's footsteps even though God kept him from being wiped out because if Rehoboam had gone against God's word and attacked the ten tribes, who do you think is going to win? In his mind he thought he could, but he didn't. And he, he listened and he was protected some with that. But the problem was, look at 1 Kings 14. See, I can't read all the chapters there, okay? There's too much. I'd be doing nothing but reading and not applying. Now watch, 1 Kings 14. This is what Rehoboam led the people into. In Judah, verse 22 of 1 Kings 14, Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they had committed above all that their fathers had done. See, did, the child will always take it farther into sin than the parent did. And then the grandchild farther until one chooses to break the chain. That's all it takes. And your life can change for that. How do I know that? Because God tells me about a king named Josiah. If you don't know who Josiah is, ask Pastor Kenny after the service. For they also built them high places and images and groves in every high, on every high hill and under every green tree. And there was also sodomites in the land. Sodomites? Voicing things that control government? My God, how could that ever happen? Sodomites in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Oof. 
they adopted the worship of the golden calf, Baal, and the other Canaanite practices. Idolatry has always been a problem with men, with mankind. What sort of things are written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We're to learn from them. Turn to Acts chapter 17. We're getting close to finishing. You didn't think I'd say that, did you? Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. You've got... uh, Paul preaching. I believe this is at Mars Hill. Verse 29. Acts 17. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto false idols, gold or silver or stone, graven art and men's device. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth what? All men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. Jesus is the standard. God gave Israel, the northern ten tribes, 208 years to repent. 208 years. They didn't. They didn't repent. They were then captured by Assyria, they fell into slavery sooner. And that was in 722 B.C. See, God can be very patient, but eventually when you won't repent, judgment comes. He still has mercy in it because he didn't totally wipe them out. Guess what? God gave Judah, the southern tribe, 344 years to repent. They did not repent. See, the difference between David and Solomon and Rehoboam and Jeroboam is being willing to, when the sin happens, because all have sinned to come short of the glory of God, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. David was a man after God's own heart because he learned to truly repent. had a conversation this past week. Repentance. Recognition that you've sinned against God, even when you think it's against another person. Recognition of your sin. Godly remorse, not just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't want to have to pay the price that's going to be put upon me for what I did. It's repentance, so it's real remorse, sorrow of heart over what you've done. Third thing, endeavoring to restore what you can that was taken by your sin. Number four, endeavoring not to repeat. I didn't say you never would, but you endeavor not to. You start changing the manner of life and how you live. See, because a righteous man falleth down and getteth up again. David was a man after God's own heart. They didn't repent. 344 years then they were captured by Babylon in 586 B.C. and taken into captivity for 70 years. Why 70 years? I'm going to have you look at one more passage and then a couple of things I'm saying will be done. Turn to Second Chronicles 36. 
the last chapter of Second Chronicles. Okay. Verse 20. And them that escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the king of Persia. Okay, when they were told they could go back and <laughs> rebuild Jerusalem. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her what? For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. Their idolatry had led them. They had not worshipped God properly for 70 years of Sabbaths. Now that's the seventh day of the week. That's also the high days and all the other Sabbaths that Israel had. And God got them back for the land. 70 years. And that's why they went into it. So when you steal from God that which belongs to God, what does it cost for him to take it back and how long will it take? God was very patient with Judah, but judgment eventually came. What kills you is that they didn't heed and learn the lesson from what happened to the north in 722 B.C. So the old colloquialism is, what does man learn from history? Is that men don't learn from history. So you have to make a choice. For as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For to obey is better than sacrifice. And all God's people said, Amen. Take a break.